to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. We just have been living in such an incredible season. God is doing so much more. Uh, and I believe that in this season of acceleration, the Bible talks about asking for rain in the time of rain. And I believe that if we're wise, uh, discerning the times and seasons, we won't just coast in this season, but we'll actually uh, make the most of it. I'm into making the most of what God's doing. And, um, you know, I believe that in this season, we've got to be aware. Of, I keep saying fully aware and fully awake is, is the words I keep hearing. Fully aware, fully awake. I spoke last night about the raw and the real and the organic, just like in the natural. So many people are sort of wanting to to you know, get away from the unprocessed and the raw and the organic, all that sort of move um, that's happening in the natural is just, a, I believe, a sign of what is a spiritual hunger that God is pouring out on people for what is raw and real. They want to see, uh, they want to they read the Bible with, with raw, real, organic um, lenses that aren't processed or filtered with, with a man-made doctrine or previous experience, but they just want to see it like it is. They want to experience God in the raw and the, and the real. And we, this is what's happening. It's so powerful. God is waking his people up. And it's just beautiful. It makes the word of God so exciting and so fresh. And, you know, the Bible says that it's, we need to be like a little child to inherit the kingdom. And God is bringing, I believe, a childlike faith that just says, Wow, that's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I'll have that. And, uh, you know, I'm so excited that people are responding to the Spirit of God, humbling themselves. And, you know, we talked about unless you lose your life, you won't find it. But, but if, you, if you lose your life for His sake, he will, you'll find His life. And that's life and life more abundant. And it's so glorious. And this life that we, we have in Him, as He is, so are we in this world, is glorious. The miracles that we're seeing is, are just, just so amazing. I get so excited about what the Lord's doing. Every day we get more and more re prayer requests and testimonies coming in of what the Lord is doing. And every time you testify and you talk about what God's doing, faith is released and the anointing is released to see it happen and see it multiplied. And we're, see we're getting testimonies. People are out on the streets every day just praying and releasing the power of God. And God is moving with great power. I remember the days when I used to think, well, it was just the, the few, the anointed few that would see miracles. But thank God, now we've, we're waking up to the reality that Jesus actually meant what he said, that by grace we're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, and that, that we were crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And actually believing that. And people get saved and they actually believe it. Like, whoa, awesome. So let's go lay hands on the sick and they'll recover and let's tell them about Jesus. And, and it's, it's magnificent. And my prayer and my desire uh, for you is that you would enter into that joy, the joy of your salvation. I've been praying that recently. I've just, I've been saying, Lord, I want to, I really want to live in the joy of my salvation. We, we can talk about it. Many of us can quote scripture. But 
when we actually look at it with the lens of a childlike faith, I, I believe we have available to us the righteousness, peace, and joy that is the kingdom of God. We have the, the invitation to live in the joy of our salvation moment by moment, day by day. That we have the anointing and the grace to be able to rejoice in everything and to live in the strength of his presence in which there's fullness of joy. And I want to discover what it is to really know and explore this incredible gift I've been given. And so I read the Word of God like we looked at Romans 8 last night. It was so yummy. Yum, yum, yum. And how amazing it is to recognize, hooray, I used to be somebody that, that lived like that. I used to be somebody that was uh, you know, led about by my, my fleshy desires. But thank God that's not the truth of my identity anymore. Hallelujah. I've been born again by the Spirit of God. And now my spirit craves what he craves. Hallelujah. And we fight the good fight of faith to deliberately walk in what is our inheritance. And not allow the enemy to rob us. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he comes to try and take away the joy. He wants to rob the joy of your salvation. But if you will be deliberate to set your mind on things above, like it says in Colossians, and deliberately uh, waging war by casting down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus... That is every thought that comes against you that tries to define you in a way that doesn't line up with who he is needs to be, needs to be cast down and you need to deliberately remind yourself. Remember looking in the mirror of his face, you're reminding yourself, what do I look like? Thank you, God. I thank you, Father, that I reckon myself dead today. I remind myself I, that by your grace, I have been set free from me. Hooray. Hooray. So what do I look like today? As it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What do you look like? What do I look like? Oh, wow. And you get excited for the next person you're going to meet. You know, like, wow, seriously. Actually becoming fully aware and fully awake of what you carry so that you can become the blessing and the gift that God has called you to be. You have a treasure in this earthen vessel and it does, you don't have to struggle to have it come out. You've simply got to remind yourself what you actually have and who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Delicious. And it's in his light that we see light, which is why, you know, our private time with the Lord is the most hotly contested thing in your life spiritually. Now, I've, I, when I get alone with God, oh, Jesus, my spirit just lights up and it's like, oh, hooray, I found home. This is it. And, and he comes and he adjusts all my thinking and all the cares of life and the, the little foxes that would try and spoil the vine, I can process it with him. I can talk with him about everything that's going on in my thinking, in my mind, any clutter that's in there. I'm a verbal processor. Anybody else here? Yeah, okay. Well, you understand. But the reality is nobody else can actually understand you like the Holy Spirit. I said last night, you, you, there's no husband, there's no wife. I've got a wonderful husband. There is no way that he could truly understand everything that's going on in me because I am so complicated. I'm on all time. You know, it's like, oh, you know, there's no way I could try and make him understand everything. 
But the Holy Spirit knows me from the inside out. Hallelujah. And, and He is the only one that can satisfy my need. I, I'm very needy for love. And I have no worries saying that because actually all of you are, whether you know it or not. And the more you recognize it and you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, <sighs> the more glorious it is. Hallelujah. But the Lord actually wants us. He's so jealous to help us, to comfort us in all of our trouble, to comfort us and to strengthen us. He's jealous for your company. Yeah. He wants your time because he, he knows how to help you in everything you're struggling with, everything you're going with. If you're tired, if you're struggling with fear, if you're anxious, if you're concerned, if you're feeling condemned, there is nothing hidden from him. And if you will bring it to him... Yield it to him, talk to him about it, and allow his comfort to come and fill you. Oh, you walk in freedom, you walk in joy, and he, he's got everything you need. It's a wonderful thing. But interestingly, in, in, your, in your flesh, you'll probably find that there is, when you come to spend time with God, when it comes to your intimate time with God, you could probably think of a hundred different things that you should or could or would like to do right then. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it seems to be the hardest thing to actually do. But when you get, like I put some music on often, when I get that and I get into that place where I just start to process with God or I go for a walk and I talk with Him and I deliberately just spend time my spirit goes, ah, you're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. And I remember, oh, this is what I love more than anything else. But we mustn't be unaware that there is a warfare that goes on over this because the enemy is terrified of you waiting on the Lord. He's terrified of it. And then if you feel bad that you, that you struggle to spend time alone with God, don't feel bad. Get excited because that's just a sign that the enemy's very, very scared of your intimacy with Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, if I, can, if I can do just this, if I can make you hunger to spend time in the Word of God and spend time seeking His face, then I've done a good thing. Hallelujah. Because He's everything you need. Our wonderful Jesus. But you see, it's when we spend time with him that we're reminded what we look like. We're, set, we're brought into freedom. And I, I like to get around people that, that really know how to carry the presence of God, walk in the confidence and the joy and the love of Jesus. And it's important who you fellowship with. Very important who, who you surround yourself with. I remember a few years back, I was going through a really difficult season there, were a lot of, there was some particularly difficult circumstance going on in my life. And I went to a, um, a, pa a pastor's meeting in um, Pasadena in L.A. with, with some, some of our friends. And I walked in and I had my pastor's hat on, you know, my pastor's face on. And I was just going to, you know, do the thing and say hello to everybody. And I just had it together. I had it together. And I was there. And, and then I met... Uh, you know, my friend walked in, uh, Charles Stock, and he walked in, he goes, Catherine! And all of a sudden I burst into tears. I thought, how did he get under my radar? I had it all together. 
And I actually went and I talked to God about it afterwards. I said, how did he get through my... my?" And I realised he just carried the atmosphere of heaven. And you see, in the presence of God, I am completely safe. So often in his presence, the liquid prayers come. You know, my tears are liquid words and he can read them all. Hallelujah. In his presence, I feel totally safe, completely accepted. I feel free. I feel loved. And, and, and Charles just carried that. And at that moment, I went, I want to deliberately, by faith, practice being aware of what I carry. I want people to experience the atmosphere of heaven every time they hear my greeting, it, when they see my smile, when they, when, they, uh, when they get a hug or when I walk past them. I want to release the atmosphere of heaven. Hallelujah. And I, I'd practice it with my son coming home from school. I'd get ready. Okay, like, right, he's going to come home soon. When he walks through the door... I want him to feel the atmosphere of heaven where he just experiences that love and that acceptance and that joy. I'd practice it when I'd, I'd go to... My husband's a, a consul, honorary consul for Finland. And so we get to go to some uh, fancy parties and things and with, with ambassadors and people, important people. And... Um, but I, before I walk in, I practice it. I look in the mirror. I remind myself what I look like, the mirror of his face. What do I look like? That's right. I don't look like, I don't look like a little consul's wife. I'm not, I'm not Catherine. It's no longer Catherine who lives, but Christ who lives in Catherine. That means every person that I interact is going to have an interaction with Christ, with Jesus. Don't freak out. I'm not saying that we are God. He is God, but I am joined to him. I'm part of the body of Christ. And he says, as he is, so am I in this world. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so I have a duty to steward that. So I remind myself, what do I look like? And then I also think about what am I carrying? The atmosphere of heaven. People around me are just going to melt with the love of God. I am, they're going to they're feel and experience the atmosphere of heaven. <laughs> and I get so much favor. It's so glorious. And, and people will ring me up and want to have coffee and talk about their personal stuff. You know, I've had consuls' wives in tears as they've begun to share things with me because they felt safe and have had the opportunity to lead them to Jesus. And and this is what we need to be aware of. We need to understand the gift that we have. Hallelujah. The believers, this is how God will cause his glory to cover the earth as the water covers the sea. It's going to happen through you and me waking up and recognizing who we are in Christ. Hallelujah. Oh, all right. This is actually better preaching than you're reacting. It's like, oh, so excited for the earth. Hallelujah. Oh, hooray, Jesus. You know, I think about the, like the parable of the talents. And Jesus talked about the, the guys that were given, one was given five talents and someone else was given two talents. The other guy was given one talent. And the guy with five talents, he, uh, he stewarded it well and he turned it into ten talents. And the master came back and went, that's awesome. And he gave him heaps more. The guy, same with the guy that had two talents. He stewarded it well and multiplied it and the master came back and went, awesome, and gave him more. 
But the guy with one talent, he just buried it and sat on it. He had even what he had taken away from him. And I think about that and it challenges me because I haven't been given five talents or two talents or one talent. I've been given the darling of heaven. I've been given the kingdom of heaven. I've been given the Holy Spirit himself. I've been given Christ's spirit living in me, the fullness of God. I'm responsible to steward that. For me to sit on it and just, you know, exist and cope and survive. Lord, have mercy. I want to pray that, Lord, let us all be fully aware and fully awake that we may steward this gift that we've been given. Hallelujah. Oh, God, change our thinking, shake us up. I decree and declare the, the shaking awakening of God. <laughs> Let it be, Daddy, because it's altogether glorious. Our wonderful Jesus. Father, we say thank you. Holy Spirit, come, wake us up to your truth. Lord, we want to know, we want to be fully aware, and we want to be fully awake. Father, we bless you. Holy Spirit, come. Shunda Romokosu, Papa. Ha, Papa. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 42, it says this. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, we often use that verse at funerals. But in the context, it's actually talking about the life we have now. We've lost our life and now we've been raised up. We were sown in in corruption and we've been raised in... Which is really exciting. Which means when the enemy wants to come and say, you're a pathetic Christian, you don't spend very much time with God, you lukewarm, pathetic person, you can actually say, who are you talking about? Because it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. What accusation would you like to bring against him? And I sow my weakness, I sow my life, I sow my strength. And in divine exchange, I receive his supernatural strength. Hallelujah. And, and I talk to him. And if I, if I do, th- do something that grieves him, I talk to him about it. Because and I, and I, I love him. And I'll tell him, Lord, I'm so sorry I grieved you. Thank you, Lord, for showing me truth. And thank you, Lord, for the power now, Lord, to walk in righteousness and holiness. I thank you, Lord, that your light gives life, that your word is a lamp to my path, that I can read everything in here. And I am a co-heir with Christ. This is now who I am and my destiny. Hallelujah. Our wonderful Jesus. And I believe that if we would learn to live yielded lives, where we just continually, day by day, are yielding ourselves up to God, sowing our lives, sowing our thoughts, sowing our pain, our shame, our disgrace, our dishonor, lifting it up to Him in faith. The Scripture tells us in Isaiah 61 that for our former shame, pain and disgrace, 
he'll give us double recompense. Hallelujah. And this is part of this joy of my salvation thing that I, I'm on. I want to I wanna actually explore what this new life looks like. And I want to live in it consciously, deliberately, live in what it looks like to live the abundant life of Christ. It's a, it's a glorious opportunity that we have. Hallelujah. It means that when you feel weak, you can talk to him about it because the Holy Spirit's with you. I do that sometimes. I'll go, I'll just tell him exactly what I'm feeling. God, I feel weak. I, I feel powerless. And he'll come and tell me the truth. Then he'll, he'll remind me of the word of God that says, let the weak say I am strong. That I am full of power by the spirit of the Lord. <laughs> Hooray. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, so good. You see, he doesn't expect you to be strong on your own. In fact, he's jealous to be your strength. And if you'll humble yourself, you get help. In fact, he wants to help you in everything, which is so wonderful. Our, our glorious Savior, he delights to be my constant companion, my constant help. And he will give me as much as I am willing to open my heart and acknowledge him. If I will become fully aware of his fellowship moment by moment, day by day, if I will learn to lean on him more than I lean on anything else and, and actually learn the joy of fellowship because this is the joy of my salvation. I have been brought into relationship with God. And if I will learn to fully enjoy that. Oh, wow. What the Lord can do and what he does is so amazing. And then you come out of this place of, oh, you know, all the, all the, the, the nonsense that the world and religion would try to tell you. You know, sadly, sometimes in, um, you know, in, these, in our Commonwealth countries, we can have a bit of a, um, a mindset that, it, that struggles with false humility. You know, become basket, basket cases basket-headed Christians that like to have the basket over our light. Where we say, instead of arising and shining, we're like, well, you know, I don't want people to think that I think too much of myself. Who do you think you are? If it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, seriously, who do you think you are? And when the enemy comes, you know, well, you don't want you to be thinking too much of yourself. It's like, I'm not thinking of myself. I'm thinking of Jesus and he actually wants to be really big. <laughs> False humility is one of the killers in Australia. And it's a giant that's just coming down. Hallelujah. God is actually looking to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. Hooray. I remember um, Ruth Heflin Years ago, when she was a young woman, she, she told a story that when she was a young woman, she was in a meeting of well, probably 2,000, 3,000 people. And this prophetic word came forward, just a corporate word, that if you will stand to receive it, the Lord will take you to all the nations of the earth to release his glory. And so she stood up and her brother stood up and they looked around and they were the only people standing up. And she said, God, why are we the only ones standing up? And the Lord said, the rest of them are all bound by false humility. And God did take it to every nation of the earth to release the glory. I want to tell you a secret. 
God actually delights to give you the kingdom. I'm starting to tap, tap into this magnificent advantage. The favor of the Lord is upon you. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. God actually wants to, to do exceedingly abundantly above. And if you are continually living a yielded life where you yield up your life, then his life is amazing. And his desire is to glorify himself through you. And he wants you to learn how to respond to his dreams and his thinking and to line your thinking up with his thinking. If you have small-minded thinking, then the Holy Spirit wants to enlighten you that you now have the mind of Christ and He has an agenda to let His glory cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And God is waiting for those that would dare to dream His dreams. People, people get nervous. They think, well, it's selfish ambition or it's pride or it's this or that. Seriously, God is well able to deal with those issues. But I tell you, if you actually live a yielded life where you go, Oh God, you're great, big and awesome and I love you. And it's so amazing that you've given yourself for me. I thank you, God, that it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Then, And you, as you allow him to show you the things he wants to do, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to cause his light to shine brightly. In fact, he wants to set you on a lamp, on a lampstand, which can be quite uncomfortable if you're, you know, in your, in your own little cultural context. And sometimes people throw things at you when you start to put your head up. You know, like David, I was just listening, I love to listen to the audio Bible and um, I put it on and I'm doing a chronological read through at the moment just on the audio Bible. I love it. And like I said last night, you know, I snack on, snack on, you might have Colossians for breakfast or something delicious as well. But I was just reading about David this morning. I'm reminded, you know, this is a story that so encourages me in First Samuel about David when he was sent down to uh, go and check on his brothers to see how they were doing and discovered Goliaths intimidating them. And he came out and here's Goliath intimidating the army. And the men are saying, oh gosh, it's terrible. Whoever would go against him, the king would give him whatever. You know, he'd give him his daughter, he'd give him free taxes. It's just, oh, whoa. And David's like, seriously? Like, we got an uncircumcised Philistine coming against the armies of the living God? Who gets to do it? Who's doing it? Oh my goodness, wasn't this awesome? And they just were like, what? And he, lo he was looking with this mindset of just raw, organic, woohoo, awesome, God's in us, this is fantastic, who gets to do it? We're a bit like that actually when it comes to the miraculous. It's like um, we, have to, we have to share who gets to pray for the deaf or who gets to pray for the blind because it's like it's too much fun, who gets to do it? <laughs> Mine! Uh, we'll have coffee with, with people in Brisbane and, and suddenly they're off and they're racing. Who can get to the person on the crutches first, you know? <laughs> it, it happens. It's awesome. I love this attitude. But um, he was seeing with a, with a new wineskin 
mentality. He was seeing with the eyes of a lover that spent time in the presence of God. Hallelujah. But his brother got quite upset. Eliab, who everyone had thought would be the one, Samuel thought surely this good-looking, tall guy, he'd be the one that God would anoint. And he wasn't because God doesn't look on the outer. He looks at the heart. And Eliab heard David going on like this, like, who gets to take the guy out? This is so fun. Who's all, let's, let's see him. who's going to do it. And Eliab goes, I know you. I know your heart. You're just proud. You've come down to see the battle. Where are those few sheep you've left in the wilderness? And he began to try and intimidate him and remind him, you know, you're nothing. You're not even part of this army. You don't even have a uniform. You're not, like, where, you, you don't even have very many sheep to look after. You, you're nothing. And he, he tried to identify him by his, his circumstance and his background. He tried to intimidate him and then he tried to accuse his heart. I know your heart. You're just proud. How often has that accusation from the enemy shut down men and women of God? Who are you to think about praying for the sick? You just want to be seen. You just want blah, blah, blah. Every time you hear something like that, you can go to God. Lord, tell me the truth. Oh, thank you, God. Actually, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he has really good motives. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hooray. Another accusation comes. You can lean into Jesus. Tell me the truth. Oh, thank you, Daddy. Yes. Hooray. Your thoughts and your heart is clean. Your heart is pure. <laughs> Hooray. Thank you, God. I'm so glad it's no longer I who lives. I'm so glad that I can reckon myself dead. I'm so glad that I can sow my life into yours and you give me your strength and your power and your motives. Hooray. Hallelujah. And rather than responding and reacting like we so often do by trying to defend ourselves or or becoming crippled with condemnation and fear and self-examination. Instead of that, he was just like, whatever. Tell me again, who gets to, to, to take the guy out? Basically, it's a paraphrase, Catherine paraphrase. He, he said, what's the deal? Is it not a cause? And he turned his back on him and just kept looking at what, what God was about to do. And I believe God is looking for people who will deliberately put off all the, all the stuff that culture and people and religion would try to put on them, all the definitions that people would try to put on them, all the fears about their motives and whatever, that they'd put it off and say, thank you, God, I reckon myself dead and I thank you that it's in you I live and move and have my being. And he'd begin to look with the eyes of hope that would look and see the, the dreams that God's got for them. And, you know, I've been learning that we need to respond to the God invitations. Every time God gives an opportunity, he'll also give you everything you need to see his, his, himself manifested in that situation. Hallelujah. I have that confidence that even when I feel intimidated, I have the confidence of knowing God will never bring me anything that he doesn't give me everything I need to be able to see him manifested and glorified and make this work out for good. And the Holy Spirit is so wanting us to be a people that are walking as one with him, in him, deliberately aware and awake to the reality that with him together, 
we are strong. Hallelujah. And he's looking for us to learn to recognize what his divine invitations look like. You see, when God puts a desire in your heart for something and you are living this yielded life of reckoning yourself dead, of reminding yourself that in everything I can talk to him about everything, I don't have to hide anything in him. He is my best friend and he is the one that I, I, in him I live and move and have my being. In that place, I have the mind of Christ, the spirit of God in me yearns for the things of God. So when the Holy Spirit drops a desire in my heart, I don't have to question, is it me, is it God, is it me, is it God, I don't know, is it me, is it God? In that place, I go, woohoo, this is awesome, let's do that, that's fantastic, God, that's a divine invitation. Because He gives me the desires of my heart. He puts them there. And when, you know, if I was thinking something that, that was, was not was not godly, didn't line up with the word of God. You know, that, that's a different thing. But in him, I'm not even thinking like that. Temptation comes and it's foreign. It's like, that's not me. I used to be somebody that lived gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. That's not even me. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Thank you, Jesus, that that's, not, that's who I was, but that's not who I am. I often test it out like this. God, what do I really want? And I ask him sincerely, what do I really desire? And he always comes back with, you desire to be with me. <laughs> and I go, yes, I do. That's right. That's so true. Hooray. <laughs> and he reminds me of the truth. And so in that place, I'm able to confidently recognize that when he drops desires in, that's, that's him speaking. It's a divine invitation. And I've had this happen often. Like I remember going to a... On a day off, I was ministering in the UK, and um, I, on a day off, I walked into a, an old abbey. Uh, it was an Anglican church. And I just had a desire drop into my spirit. I want to preach in the cathedrals here in the UK. And I, I know now, when God puts a desire like that, I know I don't have to fuss and turn myself inside out like I used to. Oh, you just want to be seen. You just want to blah, blah, blah. Eliab. Talk to the hand. <laughs> oh, it's awesome, God. And so I just turned around to my friend, and who's quite used to this now, and I just said, I'm going to preach in the Anglican cathedrals here in the UK. And that night at the, um, at the meeting, the, it was in a little Baptist church. Uh, the Baptist pastor's sister was married to an Anglican vicar who brought some people to get healed, and they were gloriously healed that night. And within six months, I was preaching in a big cathedral in, in the UK. And the, the invitations of favors just gone wild over there. Woohoo! And, you know, it's, this happens all the time. I, I was, um, a few years back, I just walked past um, the kids that were watching Sid Roth. And something in the inside of me went, ah, oh, I want to be on Sid Roth. <laughs> and, you know, Aussies might go, oh, you know, you just want to be seen. I actually want God to be seen as far as possible. I am all about having influence for the gospel. And I make no apologies. So I just turned around to the kids and go, I'm going to be on Sid Ross. Well, praise the Lord. Then last year I was. And then this year I will be again and again. And it's so awesome. Hallelujah. I didn't get to go to Israel last year. And, and I was hoping to go. It was my first opportunity. But I just didn't, didn't work out. And, and so I said to the Lord, 
you know what, I'd really like to go with Sid to Israel. It'd be awesome. And so he rang a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to him about, um, he was writing the forward for my new book. I said, I'd love to go to Israel sometime. And he, he's, his people rang back the next day and said, Sid had a great idea. Why don't you do a program with him in Israel in November? I was like, yay, awesome. And, you know, this happens all the time in that I'll get, a, I'll get an idea. I'll think, oh, I'd really love to see Spina Bifida healed. And then God will do it. Hallelujah. I begin to declare it. I begin to wage war with it. And, you know, people sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable about that. They think, oh, you know, I don't know if you should be doing all of that. Well, you do what you want to do and I'll do this. Because this works. It's really cool. I mean, he put a desire in our heart to have TV program. And, you know, you've got the, the religious folks. Oh, you know, TV, Christian TV, rah, rah, rah. Um, talk to the hand. I believe the Holy Spirit's put this in. The prophetic words would come. So God brought amazing people. Nathaniel will be here tonight. He's our TV producer. And we've been given so much favour. Um, Sid Roth heard about it and he just offered us free airtime all over the world in his prime spots. Then TBN Pacific offered us free airtime at their prime spots, 7 o'clock on Sunday nights, for free, which doesn't happen, which is really good because we couldn't have paid for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> at this point. But we're going to have more than enough money soon to be able to do whatever we need. Hallelujah. But... You know, God actually delights in faith that believes him. I want to provoke you. You need to start dreaming the dreams of God. And if you're feeling discouraged, how's it going to happen? I don't know. Actually ask the Lord, what are you putting in my heart? What's the desire you're putting in my heart? And begin to speak it out. Begin to declare it. Begin to walk around on the inside of your dream and imagine what it's going to look like. I remember I shared last night that when I was young, just trying to, getting so hungry to see healing and miracles, I'd watch everything and listen to everything and read everything I could get on Maria Woodworth Hedder and Catherine Coleman and John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, you name it, I've read it. And, you know, if it's on YouTube, I've seen it because I just needed and wanted to get a grid for the miraculous. And I wanted to walk around it on the inside. I was like, Oh, God, what would it look like? I'd try to picture, imagine the tumours falling off the bodies onto the stage and like, oh, that'd be so awesome, God. And get a grid for it in my imagination because my imagination is a gift from God. He actually made me with an imagination. It's not an evil thing. It's God-given gift. And when I have the mind of Christ, he actually uses it as a screen on which he puts the plans. It's his whiteboard of strategy. When you are living with a sanctified imagination, giving your mind to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can write on it, the enemy can write on it, and God can write on it. But if you give your mind over to him and say, Lord, let me dream your dreams, he will come and he'll write on the screen of your imagination. And he'd start, he starts to, to write and I'd begin to picture it and I'd walk around on the inside. What's it look like when the fireballs go out of the crowd, out over the crowds and people start getting healed in their seats and the people get out of the wheelchairs and, and start to praise God? If you can see it, you can have it. When the Lord said to um, Abraham, how far can you see? He said, what you can see, you can have. 
And I believe that. I believe the Spirit of God is saying, what can you see? God's actually wanting you to become fully aware and fully awake to the gift that you've been given to steward. You've been given Jesus. Who are you to not see big? What right do we have to limit Jesus? Now, I realize not everybody's called as a mouth or an eye or a hand, but every one of us is called to have glorious influence for the kingdom of God. Every one of us is not called to live a little life, but called to impact the nations of the earth. You might be called as an intercessor. You are not called as an intercessor to survive. You are called to allow Jesus to be absolutely glorious and to impact the whole earth. You have a choice as to how you will spend your time. You have a choice as to how you will use what you've been given. And you've been given Jesus. Oh God, let us wake up to it. Let us see it. Hallelujah. I believe that God is... You know, he's always challenging us to, to dream bigger, to think more and to steward what is given. And so we're deliberate. Even as a team, we, we spend a lot of time, we play what I call my game. And we talk to each other. We, we just make declarations about things that God is writing on the screen of our imagine, calling those things that be not as though they are. And we just speak it out. Like we'll say things like, I see people get out of wheelchairs or... or um, I, I preach in stadiums and thousands of people come to Christ at one time. Or, or I'm preaching in Muslim nations on the TV and, and, and there's a massive move of God as they're coming to Jesus in, en masse. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, whatever it might be, we preach it and we, we declare it and we speak it out to each other as though it is. And, and it happens. I have to keep coming up with new stuff because... What I speak, the Bible says that I'm created in the image of God who created the world with his words. And I actually believe it. So I speak it. I'm very deliberate. I'm very careful about my words. You know, anyone on my staff know it. We, I'm like, I'm very deliberate with my words. And I will stop anything that, that sounds like it's not, not creating something absolutely glorious. Because I understand, prophetically, I understand the power of my words. And I'm, so I'm, I'm learning to be very deliberate, to speak it, to talk about it, and then to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Hallelujah. And to believe it and to see it. And so, I, you know, I was only the other day talking to um, one of my interns who's in the UK, and, and she was saying, oh, when you're coming to Europe, I said, yeah, I've got a real desire to come to Europe. Let's just agree right now. Thank you, Lord. A, a new uh, invitation to Europe's coming. So we got on, I, that was day before yesterday, going to get on the plane here and I've got the invitation to Russia. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And, and, but I've been declaring that for a while because I had prophetic words about Russia. Thank you, Lord. Russia opening up to me. And so I, when I hear a prophetic word or I get a promise dropped into my spirit, I just start waging war with the prophetic word. 1 Timothy 1.18. Wage war, therefore, my son Timothy, with the prophetic word spoken over you. If you want to know my secret, it's I just do a lot with what I've got. Take it and actually use it. What have you got? Well, pick a promise. Anything in here is actually yours. You've got a prophetic word. I lay hands on the sick 
and they recover. These signs shall follow they, those who believe. Well, I have the faith of Jesus, therefore, it's pretty good faith. Therefore, I believe. Therefore, these signs are going to follow. <gasps> Let's think about what that's going to look like. Oh, please dream his dreams. Please wake up. Listen, beloved. I believe that the church has been half asleep, slumbering and unaware of the greatness of the power toward us who believe. Oh, daddy, let us wake up and believe it. I believe that there is a gift of faith accessible to anybody who will reach out and take it. I believe that there are miracles to be done that have never been seen by anybody who will dare to dream it, dare to believe it, dare to declare it, and dare to know that God is actually purposed and destined to do this through us. Hallelujah. Sometimes we agonize so much. What am I called to do? I don't know what I'm called. You're called to be Jesus. Oh, I don't know what my ministry is. You're not called to do ministry. You're called to be Jesus. The prophecies just are a spur and a kick in the pants to start dreaming in that direction. I'm a prophet. I love prophetic words. But if you're waiting for a prophetic word to launch you into your ministry, you've missed it. Just be childlike and go, okay, I've been given Jesus. Oh, whoa. Have you ever seen someone that's got like a major word and you've gone, oh, I wish that was me? Seriously. I've been given the Holy Spirit. Living on the inside of me. I remember when I first got called into ministry, I, I didn't even know women could be in ministry. I, I didn't know much about any of that. And I was having these wild visions and open visions and Hebrew words coming in letters written above me as I'd wake up and just wild, glorious visions and stuff happening. And I thought, I don't know what to do, God. I, I, I need a prophetic word. You need to bring a prophet to come, pick me out and prophesy of me in front of the pastor so we can get this happening. That was my reasoning. I thought That's, that makes sense. And then I backed it up with the word of God. I said, you led the Israelites with a cloud of a pillar of cloud and a fire. And, you know, so th you need to lead me with these signs. And I said, and especially because I'm a special case because I'm a woman. And I said, and you're going to need to tell my husband. <laughs> and he did. He told my husband, which was lovely. Tom came up to me and says, yeah, I just feel like you, I reckon you'd make a good preacher, which is like amazing because we didn't, the only time we ever saw a woman preach was maybe on Mother's Day. You know, that was about it. The pastor's wife had given a message, but that's about it. And so that was awesome, but it wasn't enough for me. I thought, I need a prophetic word. I'm an imaginative person. I'm a dramatic person. I could be just imagining all this. God, seriously, if you want me to do this, you need to pick me out and talk about this, going to the nations, preaching the gospel, healing the sick stuff. And so we very rarely had someone come who was prophetic to the church, but we did have this American come who had a prophetic gift. And I was like, 
awesome. This is your opportunity, God. Here he is. Three lights. Let's do it. And on the first night, I was so excited. Come on, God. And he picked out this one and he picked out that one. And he didn't pick me. I was so disappointed. I, was, I went out to the front and I just lifted up my hands and said, God, come on. Yeah. Thought I'd give him another go. <laughs> and came along and he prophesied over this one, this one, this one. And got to me and went, trust God, sister. Yeah. <laughs> I go, God, why are you forsaken me? I went home and I did really serious business with God that night. And all through the next day. I was like, God, you know about all these visions. You know about this stuff. So if you don't tell him to t you know, pick me out, I'm going to give it all up as my imagination. So this was the last night. Remember, this is what has to happen. You need to, you, you need to do this for me, God. Come on. And we can, I'm willing. I'm so willing to do this. You just need to... Because I figured, and if I didn't get a prophetic word, maybe I wasn't actually called to do that stuff. I didn't understand that God gives you the desires of your heart. I didn't understand that I'd been given Jesus. I was still filtering it all through this religious lens. Anyway, so he was moving in the spirit that night, prophesying over different ones. And he didn't pick me again. And so I came out, I'm like, on the altar, come on, God. I mean, this is not ideal. The pastor's not going to get to hear it now. But seriously, at least you could talk to me. Yeah. And he prophesied over this one saying, you're going to have, you've got three children and this is da 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 And I was all excited. I thought, oh, good, it's really flowing, you know. Gets to me and he says, trust God, sister. <laughs> Da, 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 da. And I just burst into tears. I was so upset. And so my friends, they didn't know what was going on. They felt really sorry for me. And so they went and got his off-sider. And he came and had a go. And he sees this bawling woman and says, I feel like, I feel like God just wants your husband to take you on a holiday. And I cried some more. <laughs> I think it needs to be a good holiday. <laughs> and I went home and I threw myself on the bed. And I opened the Bible and I said, speak to me, God. I don't encourage you to behave like that. Happily, God, thank you. I didn't open up to some... Scary scripture or lamentations or. But I did open up to Luke 2. And there was a story there about Simeon. And it says there that the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon's heart that he would see the Messiah before he died. Then moved by the Holy Spirit, he was led into the temple courts. And there he proclaimed the Messiah. He said, now you can let your servant depart in peace for you've been faithful to your promise to me. And all of a sudden I saw it. And I went, oh God. Holy Spirit, you revealed this to my heart and I said it wasn't enough. And I, was, I just was cut to the heart. I said, I'm so sorry, God. And 
I was embarrassed in my own room to say it out loud, but I did it anyway. And I said, God, I choose to believe that even if no one ever prophesies it, I'm, I'm called to preach the gospel and go to the nations and heal the sick. And, and, I, and I just I settled it with God at that point. And I realized, you know, if God had given in to my tantrum and done what I'd wanted him to do, every major decision I had to make from that point on, I would have put into the hands of other people's obedience. God didn't ask me to be prophet-led. He asked me to be Holy Spirit-led. Now, the prophets are awesome. I, I lead the prophetic council in Australia, and it's, I love I lo love the value of the prophets to the church. I love prophetic ministry. We do prophetic schools. I wish that you all would prophesy. It's awesome. But it'll never take the place of the Holy Spirit dreaming with you and asking you to actually align your thinking up with His. He's looking for us to be people who are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. Actually, if you read that scripture in context, it's just delicious. So wonderful. This is, you are, you're not somebody that has to strive to attain to be one that's led by the Spirit of God. It's actually your identity. If you'll just begin to wake up and realize it, you don't have to strive to find him leading you. He's already in you, ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, people would start to prophesy. A little while later, I'd get these words and I'd be able to say, yes, I know. Thank you, Jesus. And it was wonderful confirmation. But if I'd never got it, I'd still be doing what I'm doing today because I could wage war with the promise God gave me on the inside. Hallelujah. I believe the Spirit of God is birthing dreams on the inside of people. And if they are dreams that seem impossible, then, then that's wonderful. It's a good beginning. Because God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. But he's waiting for us to cooperate. He's waiting for us to step in. He's waiting for us to see it, to dream it, to think about it. I like to take time before I go to bed and to actually walk around on the inside of, of, a, of a prophetic promise. I've begun to learn that I have not because I ask not. It's like I, it's so amazing now that I ask and I receive, that I'm beginning to recognize I really need to ask more because I get what I ask for. But so often we forget to even ask. We, we hope it, we worry about it, we wish it. But we just need to be asking and then getting excited about it and then rejoicing about it before we've even seen it. Hallelujah.